Welcome to Whitechapel Church Online. You're currently listening to preaching from our Sunday services. We believe that when the preaching happens, that collectively we're hearing the Word of God, and that God's Word has the power to change who we are. We also believe that God can meet you right where you're at, and that He has a Word specifically for you. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon, and we would love to have you at an in-person service. Head over to whitechapelchurch.com to get more info. Enjoy the sermon, and be blessed. Amen. Give the Lord some praise this morning. Come on, church. Give the Lord some praise. He's worthy to be praised. Good morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be back home. Amen. It's good to be back home. I've been away for a few Sundays. I've been in Kentucky. My wife and I, we had uh, the privilege of going and, and witnessing our son's graduation. Amen. And what an awesome time and occasion it was. My wife came back, but I stayed a little bit longer because it was also a reunion of a school that I once attended. Western High School. It was an all-black school, and I was graced as a child to be able to attend that school. And because of the pandemic and everything, uh, they weren't able to have the reunion for a few years. But they had it this year, and uh, quite naturally, there were some faces that weren't there at the last reunion. But we still had a blessed time. It was a blessed occasion to see those who were able to attend and uh, to see uh, some of the festivities that went on in the all-black school. We did a thing in May before school was out called Wrapping of the Maypole. I don't know if you have heard of it or are familiar with it, but we wrapped the Maypole. And that was uh, one of the celebrations at the closing of each school year in May. Uh, so we, we sung an old fight song and everything. And then for me, I was blessed to be able to go in 1964 to Paris High School, which was the beginning also of integration. So God blessed me with both worlds. Amen? Because God was in both worlds. Now, don't get quiet on me because I'm just telling the truth. A -a Amen? Amen. Truth's going to free you this morning. So I'm just telling you the truth, and, and I'm just blessed and thankful to be back home, to worship with you. I did miss you, and don't think just because I wasn't here, I didn't hear. Amen. I want to thank my pastor. Amen. I want to thank my pastor. You ought to be thanking your pastor and thanking God for your pastor. Amen for the word of God that he's been preaching in the book of Acts. Amen. Uh, hello, those out there. A -a Amen. And, and I want to say television land, but hello, everybody. Brooke Jordan, hello. Miss you this morning. But I, I want to thank the band, amen, the worship team this morning, as they have persevered. Amen. Amen. Thank God for that. And uh, as the pastor has been, been teaching and preaching and uh, over the past several weeks in the book of Acts, 
And uh, uh, it was that 15th chapter of the book of Acts that uh, continued to resonate within my spirit as he preached and taught on unity in the church and how the enemy just comes forth, amen, at a time when the church is coming together and things are moving, amen, and everybody's coming together and we find that he rears up his old ugly head and tries to cause divisions. Amen? I mean, y'all been here long enough to know about church, surely. Mm. What funeral home is here this morning? I don't see any flowers. A amen? I don't see a casket lying before us. So, so I need some response this morning. I know we just come through Memorial Day and graduations and still have some that are probably still graduating. But, but still, God is still on the throne. God is still sovereign over everything. So I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So I'm glad to be here this morning. Glad to be in worship with you this morning. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Once again, Lord God, we, we pray, Father, for the ushering in of your spirit, being in our midst today. We say thank you. Now, Lord God, have your way in our service today. Move in this house today as you see fit. And I pray, Lord God, that as your spirit falls fresh on us this morning, fill us up to overflowing proportions, Lord that we may touch the next person beside us. He or she may not know you in the pardoning of his or her sins. And we pray today, Lord God, someone even may ask, what must I do to be saved? But even if it's just a renewal of one's life to you, I pray that they come this morning and come to you boldly, Lord, in opening his or herself up and wanted to do more than what they did yesterday for your glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If I could use for a sermonic topic for this Sunday morning, it would just simply be the sanctity of like-mindedness. The sanctity of being like-minded. Being like-minded. The scriptures that I chose this morning as uh, chapter 15 of Acts and, and, and seeing what was going on uh, as they began to talk about Moses, the covenant of Moses, and, and uh, being circumcised and how it, it was starting to cause some confusion and problem within the church. So I flipped over a few uh, books of scripture and texts and so forth, and, and I saw how you know, unity was still a problem in the other churches that Paul had started and gone to. There, there, there were still problems in unity. People just coming together and people just working together. So, so I've chosen some scripture texts. One's 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10. I'll be reading from New King James Version. Uh, I'm old school, so I guess I like the New King James Version, but also like the NIV. A amen? And the reason now I beseech you, 
brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye may be perfectly joined together. I had to say that again. In the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians 2 and 5 says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. In other words, King James says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So we find here it's still about unity and coming together. And that was one of the first things that, uh, of the six things that pastor has given us as a church or a refuge of grace. And it's about coming together in unity, in harmony, in working together. And that's vital and so important, church. Because as we get down the road, you're going to find that the enemy don't like us working together. Let me say that again. The enemy does not like us working together in harmony. Amen? I don't care if it's this church or any church. The enemy does not like us working together. There's only one thing, church, harder than living alone. And that's to live with one another. To live with another person is hard. Husband and wives, y'all going to talk to me this morning. And I don't care how long you've been married and you know or you say you know one another. You still find some things in all these years that you didn't know when you first got married. Am I right about it? I mean, I don't want you to go home upset with one another because the pastor just said something that kind of rubbed you wrong. But, but you know, uh, we want to leave here in harmony and love for one another. A amen? But you know I'm telling you the truth. You still learn some things you didn't know about your spouse or about one another. You still are learning some things you thought you knew everything about your children. But you still find out as the days go by, the years go by, you find out something different about them. Am I right about it? The same is true with your work. You might think it's better now that you work at home, some of you. Some people are working at home on the computer and everything. You know, it gets kind of lonely working at home by yourself. Am I right about it? You miss hearing the chatter in the office or someone just coming and talking with you or maybe missing the phone ringing in the office. Foolish man once said, I like working alone because I'm always there when I need me. And the reason why I call the man foolish is because he's made up in his mind somehow that he is better off by cutting himself off from the rest of the world. It's true that it's a challenge, church, getting people to work together. And there's perhaps no greater challenge or example is that when you come to church trying to get people 
to work together. The challenge lies in getting the members to work together in a harmonious fashion. Because why? We're not robots. We're men and women that are made in the image of God and our human composition includes free will. Here we find in our text here that the Apostle Paul deals with the enigma of being like-minded and the mystery of how to make a church full of independent thinkers work together to achieve one goal and one purpose. That's what God wants to do for the kingdom is to get us to work together for one goal and one purpose. It's about kingdom building. Let me say that again. It's about kingdom building. Charles Osgood, I'm quite sure you're familiar with him. He told a story of two women, two ladies who lived in a convalescent home. And each of them had suffered a stroke. Margaret's stroke left her left side restricted. Ruth's stroke damaged her right side. Now, both of these ladies in this convalescent home were accomplished musicians. They were accomplished pianists. But they had given up their hope of ever being able to play again because of what has happened to them. So the director of the city center came and he spoke with them to come together and to sit down at the piano. And he encouraged them to play a solo piece together. And they did. And a beautiful friendship developed from this. There was a single-mindedness of purpose that brought their individual talents together. And that's the perfect picture of the goal of every church that serves the Lord. What one member cannot do alone, two or more can do together. For Pastor just said, where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst. So if you're doing it with the right intent, God's going to make sure it comes to fruition. Well, Y'all going to talk to me. There are three points here that the Apostle Paul makes here in this verse of Scripture to the letter of the Corinthian church. And they are used to prevent division and to promote like-mindedness. Point number one, we must be perfectly joined together. The truth is, church, that we're handicapped when we're alone. Let me say that again. We're handicapped when we're alone. We find that the story of the two lady pianists, they could each pick a, a tune on the piano, but they could only play a single barren tune because there was no crescendo or combination of notes that would create 
the depth and fullness of a full composition. Alone, each performance would have been empty and lacking substance. But when they came together, that musical rendition was made complete. And the same is true of our individual talents. God imparts these gifts, church, to us for a purpose. And that purpose is never to enhance our own image or to elevate our own position in the kingdom. But he gives us these gifts to reflect his image and to advance his kingdom. Each talent is meant to work in conjunction with other talents to create a full composition, a masterpiece for the master. So therein lies the definition of like-mindedness. That's what it is. We come together to exercise our gifts and talents for the good of the kingdom and not for the good of ourselves. There was this woman, she volunteered to work at a hospital for the mentally ill. It was there that she met Barbara who was a hopeless schizophrenic. She was kept isolated from the other patients because she had this violent behavior. And through perseverance and tender patience, the volunteer was able to soften Barbara's heart. And then she went on to get permission, church, to take her to the lounge where everyone else was there in the afternoon. Then Barbara immediately sat down at, at the puzzle table where someone had abandoned all hope of completing a difficult puzzle of a cat. Barbara sat down and she didn't say nothing to anyone in the room. And as she began to turn each of the 1,000 pieces right side up, the volunteer looked thinking that it was good therapy for Barbara. Just sat down and watched. And when all the pieces were, were turned right side up, Barbara then became extremely frustrated, looked up at the volunteer, started hollering out loud, missing, missing, missing. The volunteer came to and tried to console her, but it was useless. So the nurses came and took Barbara back to her room. And when the volunteer arrived, the next day, the nurse grabbed her and said, Barbara was very irritated after you left. We thought the puzzle might calm her down, so we put the puzzle table in her room. You got to see this. She led the volunteer to Barbara's room. There on the table was a completed puzzle with one piece missing. The cat's eye. The church is like a giant puzzle. Each of you fits one spot. A spot reserved just for you. There's no other person 
who can fill your spot but you. And yet you're nothing without the other pieces. You are a part of the big picture. But you're also an essential part of the completed picture. Because without you, church, Christ may be missing an eye, a hand, or a foot. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me this morning. Paul says that the church is incomplete until it is perfectly joined together. From his throne room, God sees a complete picture of his kingdom. Well, could it be, church, could it be that he is pointing his finger and saying, missing, missing, missing. Point two, it says that we must have the same mind. With any team, and you know a lot of sports are going on right now, but with any team, there has to be a commonality of thinking. Divisions come when, when we start pulling in different directions. You take football, uh, we talk about we need the quarterback, but you know, they have what you call the wildcat now. So if you don't have a quarterback, just pitch it back to the running back. But you still need your guards, your tackles, your ends, and everything else to make that team work. A amen? A farmer became blind one winter, just before the spring thaw. And he was determined to plow his own field in spite of his blindness. And knowing that his horses were, were capable and able because they were trained to do the work. So what did he do? He went out to the barn one spring day and he put the harness and he hitched up his horses to the plow. First, he hitched the lead horse because this was the horse that knew exactly how to navigate the terrain to ensure that the entire field was cultivated. Then he hitched up the workhorse. Oh, talk to me now. I'm talking about the one who could go all day without rest and get that field planted in time. So when, when, when the harnesses were attached, and the barn door was opened, he gave that usual signal for the horses to lead the barn. But instead of the familiar forward trot, all he heard was a great commotion. As both horses kicked and whined like they were in a battle for their lives, the farmer's wife came running out to the barn to see what the commotion was all about. And there, to her amazement, each horse was hitched to the opposite end of the plow. They both were trying to get out of the barn to get the work done. But they were pulling in opposite directions and getting nowhere. You see, that may conjure up a humorous picture to you, but it illustrates what goes on in many churches. 
All the members are valuable, have valuable talents to contribute, but if they don't put in, pull in the same direction, they get nowhere. I mean, there has to be some commonality of purpose and direction. And that direction is upward. Whether you're a lead horse or whether you're a work horse, it doesn't make any difference as long as we're pulling in the same direction. Last point I want to make here. I'm going to take my seat. We must have the same judgment. We must have the same judgment. What are you talking about? If we're going to get anywhere, church, we have to arrive at the same verdict. See, we must take the same decision and draw the same conclusion. In other words, it's not for all of us to pull in the same direction. We must all know what that direction is. And then we have to keep focus, church, on it. If we all know where we're headed, we'll all be equally excited about getting there. What do you mean? Well, there was this pastor. He was up in his age. He got up to preach one Sunday. He was determined to get his, his entire congregation on one accord. There were some good people in the church, but there were too many factions going on in the church. They all had differing opinions about the vision of the church, purpose for their church to Christ and their service. Their lack of cooperation was hindering the move of the church and the work of the church. So what he decided to do was to take some drastic measures. He began his sermon by saying, I was young, but now I am old. I haven't got much time left. So all of those who want to go to heaven with me, raise your hand. And not a single hand went up. The pastor was dumbfounded. He struggled to preach that sermon. He stood at the door to greet the members as they left. And only one brave lady shook his hand, then paused, and with absolute honesty said, Pastor, we want to go to heaven. We're just not ready yet. That's the problem with most congregations. We love the Lord. We really love the Lord but we're just not in a hurry to see him face to face. So isn't that the whole point of our salvation and of our service that Christ died that we might never experience death? That Christ died that we might, might one day reign with him in heaven? That Christ died that we might overcome the grave and live eternally with him? Isn't that our common judgment, church? Isn't that the final verdict, church? I mean, we live and we serve to work because why? It is the demonstration of our genuine faith toward the Lord and his church. It's our common goal, church, to one day spend eternity with him. Paul says that our like-mindedness of purpose can only happen by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have to keep our focus, church, on Christ and the cross. There's danger 
and taking our eyes off the cross. Jesus said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'll draw men unto me. We begin to think that this life is its own reward. Heaven is just some kind of perk or some kind of benefit. Then we start thinking about our accomplishments of our own that we've done here on earth. That we deserve more credit than we're deserving or getting or receiving right here. We forget that the reward comes after. Let me say that again. The reward comes after. So in this insane world, where nations are pulling against nations, political parties pulling against political parties, parents are pulling against children, employees are, are pulling against supervisors and pastors are pulling against elders and deacons, Paul says that if I want to find sanity, we must learn to be like-minded. A like-minded work step moves a company forward. A like-minded Congress moves the nation's business forward. A like-minded household produces obedient children. A like-minded world will put an end to war and show us how we can all live together in peace. But if none of these goals are achievable, if they're hampered by divisions and differing opinions, a lust for power, and so many other areas of dysfunction, we ought to at least be able to overcome insanity in the church. Where every member should be here for the same reason. To glorify God. And one they meet our Savior face to face. The dictionary defines sanity as the ability to think independently and rationally. But the word of God, I said, but the word of God gives us a new definition of sanity. The word of God says that, that sanity is the ability to be like-minded, to function in harmony as a group. To the Romans, he said, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that ye may be one mind and one mouth. Glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said to the Philippian church, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being on one accord and on one mind. That's what began in Acts on the day of Pentecost. They were all together on one accord in one place praying together. Those were just simple instructions that were to carry on in every church waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they were obedient enough to do just that. But don't you ever think that as time goes on that the enemy is not going to come and try to separate and divide, cause factions in the church. 
This is our challenge until we're called home because each puzzle piece perfectly joined together as we shoulder the responsibility of kingdom work. Each worker pulling in the same direction as we plow through the hardships and temptations of life. Each servant serving with our eyes on the same prize, a heavenly home where we will hear the words, hopefully, prayerfully, one of these days, well done. Isn't that what we all want to hear? When it's all said and done and when it's all over, we want to hear the master say, well done. However you did it, however you got there. But well done. Because we all work together. Some tasks a little larger than others, but we all work together and did the best in whatever task we had that God gave us to do. And we just want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on up and I'll make you rule over many. That's what we want to hear. And I don't know about you today, but I'm certainly glad, sure enough glad. Oh, it took a moment, took a minute, but I'm glad today that God didn't give up on me. Is there anybody in the house today, are you glad that God didn't give up on you? When everybody or somebody gave up on you, when somebody told you you wouldn't mount to anything, when some teacher told you you wouldn't go too far, even some relative told you you wouldn't mount to anything. Sometimes parents tell you that you're just no good. But I'm so glad this morning that he saw the best in me. Is there anybody in God's house? You're glad this morning that he saw the best in you. When nobody else saw anything in you, God saw the best in you. And then you yielded to him and allowed him to come in your life and to use those gifts and those talents that he instilled in you and gave you through his amazing grace. So every time that I get up and open my eyes up in the morning, every time that I feel my heart beating, knowing that I got another day to get it right, another day that I can say thank you, Jesus, another opportunity to praise his name, I get to I can't help it. When I come to church on Sunday morning and see my fellow workers in the vineyard, how good it is for brethren to dwell together. I'm so glad this morning. Is anybody glad with me this morning? Is anybody full of shouting this morning? That we come to be like-minded. Like-minded. Having the same mind which is in Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's what it's all about, man. Boy, boy, boy. So whatever's holding you down and holding you back, take it to the cross. Leave it there. <laughs> Leave it there. You know why? Because, see, if we're like-minded, we understand that's why he went to Calvary. 
that we just might bring our burdens and as the scripture says, cast them upon him because he cares for us. Leave them there, church. Stop coming and picking it right back up before you get back out the door. Leave them there and trust him. Trust in Jesus that he'll take care of everything as he promised. Yeah. Thanks for joining us at Whitechapel Church Online. We pray that today's sermon blessed you and that you'll continue to join us as we lean into God's word together. Until next time, have a great week.